Welcome to another podcast episode of Fans in Motion. As Andrew would say, the podcast that you didn't know you need. Uh, this is where Andy would say the uh, deep, obscure Night Ranger lyric, and that is not my style. So I will say, hmm, uh, he wears his trousers real tight. That's easy. Bam. Say hello, Brent. I would have went with something that would have been off of um, Hole in the Sun. With um, We'll get to our topic in a minute, but I would have went with whatever happened. Whatever happened to you? Yeah, I like that song. Not quite good like, tune. Not, not, you know, not really Night Ranger-ish, but uh, uh, I did like it. Um, I was listening to Neverland. I got one of those... Uh, Oh, um, the uh, I home, not I home, like uh, Echo Home or yeah. something like that, or Echo Show. Um, it's one of the newer ones. It's like, uh, you know, you talk to it, tell, you know, say, Hey, tell me the weather, and it says, Hey, fucker, it's gonna be hot, and uh, and all that stuff. But you can play, you know, hey, play Night, Night Ranger album Neverland, and it'll play it. Sure. And I was surprised how good the volume was on it, number one. But the sound, it has really great bottom end. For this little thing, it's you know, it's not that big. Just like I said, it's called an Echo Show. Um, Is I think I, Amazon? It's Amazon, okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I've got the dot. I got a dot, too. But this is like uh, this has like a screen. So okay. if you if it's playing a song, it'll do the lyrics and stuff. If you ask gotcha. for the weather, it'll show the photo pictures and all that stuff. I don't really know what the hell I'm doing with it. But anyways, I was surprised how good the sound was. I think I have like the I don't know, eighth generation one or echo. I don't know. Anyways, it was cool because you could hear a lot of Jack's parts, bass parts in it. Um that a lot of times you don't hear on you know phones and other sound systems but i was listening to never landed uh uh a little line that uh we i don't know if anyone mentioned last time i met a girl her name was mona from a what tucson, tucson arizona. arizona uh she said she maybe try to help us um my elusive mind yeah, i think I'm we maybe think. we did bring that one up but anyways uh, andrew is not here uh Andrew's wife has kidnapped him and made him go on vacation. I think they're in Alaska looking at glaciers and igloos and, you know, you know, riding on huskies and all that shit. Um, actually, it's probably warmer in Alaska now than it is here. But uh, so Andy's not with us. So the topic of the week, what were we going to talk about? Uh, it gets hard when you... Uh, what she said uh when you're 90 some episodes into night ranger uh podcasting the topics get a little tough and brent tree brought up a decent one i liked uh brent what are we going to chit chat back and forth uh today well we're going to um discuss what if the original night ranger never got back together what do we think, what do you all think they'd be doing now? Collect, you know, not, you know, they individually, collectively, would have Kelly and Jack got back and done something together? I don't know. We're going to discuss that. 
So it, Big old what if episode. basically what we're looking at is what if the original Night Ranger in 1996 didn't did not get back together. So uh, we're keeping the histories the same. You know, Sticks got back together and Ted does his thing. And uh, and you can look at it as, well, why didn't Night Ranger get back together? You can we'll just basically you know, say they didn't like each other. Right. Like I will never, you know, kind of like Skid Row. Right. Makes mm. sense to get back together with Sebastian Bach, but <laughs> their happiness of not working with him is more important than the payday. All right. I got a singer that sounds good. Yes. Um, so we can just, you know, pretend like it's that, you know, uh, I'm never working with this guy again. And this guy is never working with this guy again. And uh, there you have it. So if you, I guess if you set the scene of us going into the original uh, reunion, you're looking right around <clears throat> April, May, of 1996 night ranger was still playing shows with gary moon in early april of 96 mm-hmm. um and night ranger is playing shows with original members by the middle of june of 1996 so uh it happens fairly quickly so the history up to that point brad and kelly are with gary moon uh doing feeding off the mojo night ranger uh, Jeff Watson has released a solo record in 92 and is currently doing stuff with uh, Mother's Army with yep. Jolyn Turner from Deep Purple. Uh, I think Carmen Apice was in that group for a while. No, he was in the group. Originally, it was Ansley Dunsbar from every group imaginable. Um, and Bob Daisley, who I think had a lot of work with Ozzy and maybe is in, is he in Deep Purple now? But uh so you got that. What we got? We got Fitz. Fitz is uh, he's Fitz doing with Van Halen. He was behind the curtain playing the uh, keys for the mighty Van Halen. So there you go. So uh, I'll let you uh, kick it off. You know, it's April, May of '96. Jack Kelly, Brad, Jeff—they just can't get on the same page. And bam! Just what do you think that history would have been? from 96 until now and i will tell you where you are wrong i would i would have gathered i mean it was funny when they were apart i used to always think that fitz should have been doing the van halen ghost work because of him and and sammy's relationship they've had in the past and then come to find out i'm at a show and talking to a roadie and they're like oh yeah fitz does all the keyboard work and i'm like are you are you kidding me can, can you get him? He's like, no, he comes in, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I think um, that was a good gig. I think Fitz would have stayed with Van Halen. Um, possibly. Um, I think he would have done some side work with his buddies, like he has. Um, but that's what I think about Fitz. What about you? Well, um, the, the Fitz with his buddies would have been, which I guess I didn't mentioned when i was doing histories fitz had a band <coughs> called alliance with gary peel from boston um david lauser from hey. sammy hagar which gary peel was in the sammy hagar band with lauser uh it was originally those three guys lauser peel and fitz and they got 
um oh shit what's his name uh robert barry mm-hmm. to join as a vocalist and bass player robert barry uh finding his fame with what well, was emerson lake and palmer and they but it was palmer and emerson no wait lake and lake was the drummer right no was he in in gtr no well he may have been towards the end but i don't think so he was in they called it three and it was emerson lake and palmer without lake all right so take out what greg lake whatever his name was carl palmer and keith emerson right and you throw rob palmer yeah, so it was basically Emerson, Lake, and Palmer without Lake. They named the band three. It was prog rock. I mean, they had some, they had a, you know, a major label release. And so, anyways, so what do I think Fitz would do? Um, well, I mean, obviously, you know, Fitz would have continued working with Van Halen, uh, but it kind of coincided uh, Van Halen and uh the night ranger reunion in the real world um because fitz was in sammy's camp mm-hmm. i mean that's why uh you know fitz was there and um so i don't think the work with you know van halen would have continued because sammy was no longer in van halen if you look at the marching to mars record you know, I hadn't even considered that him yeah. breaking up. Right? I, yeah. I, I hadn't even considered that. Yeah. So, when you look at the Marching to Mars record, uh, it thanks Alan. He thanks Alan Fitzgerald in the credits. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I this is just something that's come to me. I I talked to Fitz once about that. You know about you know why didn't he play on that record every everybody played on that record that was buddies with sammy he's thanked in the record but he's not listed as playing and he told me that he had played on the record but he they didn't credit him in case that van halen thing came back up that maybe he would still be in the good graces because he didn't play on the record I forgot about that conversation. Um, I, you know, I only met him twice, so it was, it would have been that conversation when it took place in either '96, which it couldn't have been because "Marching to Mars" didn't come out to '97. Mm-hmm. So it would have been that June show that we saw at the Newport for the Neverland tour. I got to talk to him back behind there. That was the conversation where we talked about like songwriting credits. And I think I talked to him about um, originally leaving Night Ranger in 87, which we've talked about in some previous episodes. So, um, yeah. So what would Fitz have done? Well, I can't remember if Fitz played with, with Van Halen in 2004 when they got back with Sammy. I'd have to go look at that. It seems like that was one of the things him leaving Van Halen or leaving Night Ranger, mm-hmm. not really leaving. It was just he had, he was making more money doing stuff with Van. You know, I think he was with Van Halen then in 04. 
He definitely was with Bruce Springsteen in 2005 and 2006. And with all that stuff coming up, um, I think, you know, Night Ranger was probably like, hey, you either need to dedicate this full time or just, you know, we part ways. And I think that's what happened. Um, so with Fitz, uh, I mean, really, you're just with Fitz, you're just asking what would he have done from 96 to 03? Because he, he's not been right. in the band really since then. Um, you know, uh, and the sad thing is, you know, everybody we've spoken to about him talks about how knowledgeable he was, you know, as far as he, you know, his music theory goes. You think he would have been a professor at a school at some well, like his college? His parents, know? if I remember correctly, right, his, his parents, his parents were music teachers in Connecticut or something. Uh, so. I mean, what would would what would he have been doing in that time period? Uh, maybe he would have went, you know, a little bit more full force into the Sammy Hagar thing because, yes, I may burn bridges with Eddie, but I can collect a paycheck from there instead of collecting a paycheck from Night Ranger. Um, so that would be probably where I think he would have maybe went but sammy didn't have a keyboard player i can't see fitz going back to bass even though that's kind of where he made his mm-hmm. start at and i think louser said he was a better bass player than he was a keyboardist. uh for those that don't know he was a bass player in montrose uh that second record that they did with sammy hagar paper money so uh yeah fitz was like i said originally a bass player if you look on some of those um uh, Later Montrose records after Sammy left, you'll see uh, pictures of Fitz, you know, playing bass there and uh, stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I just think he probably would have maybe went the Sammy route or, you know, kind of like what he did with Springsteen. Springsteen, uh, he did, Bruce did uh, an acoustic tour. So it's just, I think, him on stage. And either Fitz was maybe in the background or just off stage, but it was just him and Fitz. You know, Fitz would add some keys and stuff. And you can go on the one cool thing about, you know, Bruce Springsteen is you can go onto his website and any show that he's recorded, you can go and uh, order a CD of it or a digital download. Mm-hmm. So if you go look at Bruce's page and you go back to 2005, and let's say you're going to order one of those shows, it's got the like liner notes and it'll say just, you know, basically the band is Bruce Springsteen and Alan Fitzgerald. So that, yeah, that's the other thing, you know, where does Fitz fit? Actually Fitz wouldn't fit in to a lover boy. Lover boy didn't have the original key. Doug, Doug Johnson had bailed at that point. Um, He's back, but Fitz would have fit in good with the Huey Lewis on the news. Um, a heart. I think he'd been all right in heart. But I don't see him starting up a all-star band. Well, I mean, he's the one, really, there's not much speculation we got to do. I mean, his history from yeah. 2003 on. And, I mean, there were rumors. I mean, I don't want to say rumors. Um were they in the air? No, um, yeah, all that too. Um, 
that he was teching. You know, like not not playing keys behind the scenes, not playing keys on stage, but actually just being a roadie, basically. Mm. Um, you know, I haven't been able to like confirm that or anything, and not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, you, you know, you think, you know, wow, you think Fitz would be out on stage playing somewhere when he was actually, and with Van Halen, yes, he was off stage, but, you know, he's still performing. Sure. And it's not something that's unheard of. I mean, the last Black Sabbath tour, Robert Mason was behind the curtain helping with vocals. I mean, they didn't hide it, you know, the knowledge of it, but they just kept him off stage. And it's something that every Kiss has done it, and um, many bands have done it. So, and, and the bands that put him on stage, like. Warrant put the keyboard player on stage. I think Poison did it at one point, and it just looks odd. Yeah, well, Cinderella. I remember there were some photos, like you know, yeah. all the all the records had four members, but then you would see like some live stuff, like you know, backstage and them. I mean, I guess the probably the biggest one that would go back farther is Jeff Nichols from Sabbath. Jeff Nichols played on almost every Sabbath record, and did every tour but i think the only record like he's pictured in is uh um seventh star which was supposed to be a solo record for tony iomi and it became a black sabbath record but jeff nichols would be one if you look at any sabbath record you'll see you know whoever dio but mm. you know geezer blah 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 and then kind of a little bit farther down additional musician you'll always see jeff nichols um as uh additional keys and stuff and when i saw them in 95 he was on stage but he was back in the corner <clears throat> like being punished like as a redhead stepchild yeah. so where are you going uh next there uh brent tree where am i gonna go next um i thought i'd throw it to you <laughs> well i guess i guess the easiest route to go <clears throat> Kind of like with Fitz, you only have to do so much of a time period, I guess, would be what would Jeff do? All right. So Jeff obviously wasn't in the Night Ranger that was reformed with Gary Moon. Now, he was in the picture originally, mm -hmm. uh, both, you know, the Night Ranger side and Jeff has said when they got back together in 1990, early 91, somewhere in there. Uh, it was Brad, Kelly, Jeff, and Gary Moon. Now, we had Gary on the podcast a while ago, and he talks about that a little bit, um, that he was there and some discussions were made, and the next time he came in, Jeff wasn't there. Um, Jeff has also said in interviews that he was there and then he wasn't, and we talk about that on some of the uh, previous podcasts. And if I remember correctly, uh, Jeff basically said it wasn't his choice. And there's this is from an interview that I read. Mm -hmm. I'm almost 99% pretty sure that this is accurate. <laughs> uh, so Jeff was there uh, at the beginning. 
decisions were made not to include Jeff. And so Jeff had the Lone Ranger record. Uh, it came out in 92. I had Sammy Hagar on it. I think Brad Gillis was a guest on there. Uh, Alan Holdsworth. A lot of people, you know, they had a good, uh, you know, crew on there that showed up and played on that record. Mother's Army, which we discussed earlier, had released an album maybe in 92, 93. I think they released a second one in 95. So what does Jeff do? Well, uh, I think obviously you would continue to do the Mother's Army that he did in Japan. And I don't think that would change. So what does he do, though, from, you know, 96 to um, 2007? I was going to say six. Yeah, seven. Well, you, it, it, it was, I mean, seven is when, he, you know, he's out. So you're right, 2006. Um, God, what, 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 you know, I mean, I would have, I would, well, he did have that second solo record around the sun, which was different than um, the first solo record because this was a traditional rock album. Uh, I can say that I have not listened. I've listened to his other one more than Around the Sun. But Around the Sun was 10 tracks or so. Steve Walsh from Kansas sang on about half of them. I think maybe Jeff actually sings on one or two, and there's maybe a couple other vocalists. But it's more of a traditional rock album. Obviously, you know, he would have done that. Would he have done more to push that? I don't know what you really could have done more to push that record you know night ranger is probably your best vehicle to to push that uh <coughs> he did perform with chris isaac a little bit before night ranger got back together i think on a record and maybe live and um so would he have done that i don't know it seems now Jeff has come out and said in an interview that he has a problem or an issue, not like it's hard or like, I don't want to do it. It's just like he, he, when it comes to playing other people's songs, like it just doesn't translate well for him. He's got to like basically make up his parts and play his parts, um, which is why you don't see. And I'm pretty sure that this is him. Like, his from his interview why you don't see him like in a lot of bands like playing lead guitar for uh graham bonnet because you know if he was with graham bonnet he'd be doing since you've been gone you know graham bonnet records it on every album so you know. he, but he in the times he's done it it hasn't really lasted chris isaac a lot of people forget that he was uh there was kind of a Damn Yankees 2, maybe 2008, 9 in there, where he played guitar for Dennis Young. So where you had Jack Blades of Night Ranger and Tommy Shaw of Six, mm -hmm. you had Jeff Watson of Night Ranger and um, Dennis Young of Six. That probably didn't last no more than probably 8 to 10 shows, if that. Uh, why? I don't think it was a personality thing. I just... 
I just, I don't know. It just like, I'm going from what Jeff has said. And like I said, it had to be an interview. I think it was a video I watched where he just basically says it's hard for him to transform over to playing someone else's songs, uh, which I mean, maybe it was for when they, do you remember when, maybe what year would this have been? 2018, 19, somewhere in there. There was like a Randy Rose tribute. Yeah. That was going to go he on. Showed up. He well, showed up. there was one show that they did. Him and Joel Hoekstra was there. Yep. But they were going to take it on the road. And my electric just went back and forth. All right. You're all right. You're, so, uh, is it raining there? No. That's what's crazy. But like the the house lights and everything just went down back up. Anyways, uh, he they were supposed to be a tour. And they were going to play the Al Rosa Villa. And Jeff was going to be on that tour. They eventually canceled that whole tour. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so... What would Jeff be doing? Maybe not much of anything. I mean, what has Jeff done really from 2007 to now? Um, there's no solo record. He has released, was it Squirrels and Gasoline, Squirrels and Kerosene or something like that? Just one track on iTunes. There is a track that was on a tribute album or a compilation album that came out. 2016 or something he did that really tribute record well that was a 92 i'm talking like post night range okay okay gotcha um so um but yes yeah i was we could throw that back in before you know what was he doing beforehand he did do that track um on the ace really tribute album, which we i showed the vinyl in the last uh episode uh and back then that was cool because you know there was no internet you didn't know what the hell these guys were up to and suddenly hey jeff watson's on a record so i don't know if there'd be much difference with really jeff i mean i guess you would just say what would he have done from 96 to 2006 i'm sure maybe another solo record in there i mean he did have a lot of songwriting credits on neverland if you look i mean more than usual uh I mean, if I thought about it, I mean, I think Jeff, like when you go to songwriting credits, the classic era, so Don Patrol to Man in Motion, mm-hmm. two, two songwriters. I, I have no. I would say it would be, I mean, off the top of my head, let it run, let him run. I'm pretty sure is, he has a co-write on that. Goodbye. Goodbye, yeah. I don't think there's any co-writes on Big Life, and I don't think there's any co-writes from him on um, Man in Motion. So he has two co-writes, but if you go to Neverland, I know he co-wrote New York Time. Um, I don't call this love. You know, there was like three or four songs that he co-wrote, which doubled what he had done, you know, back in the... um, original era so maybe some of those ideas would have translated more into a you know more solo stuff so that's what i got with jeff which is a whole bunch of i don't know if he would have done anything yeah the only thing i can envision for him would be him starting a super group well he had one mother's army well but that was more released in japan well it was only released in japan because i couldn't get it released in the states and here's the thing, if you that just shows you how far 
that style of rock had dropped when now you gotta remember damn yankees got lucky damn yankees got right in at the very right before they shut the door damn yankees and firehouse are like two bands that got right in there at the very end um but uh you had jeff watson night ranger you had joe lynn turner deep purple rainbow you had you know, well, originally had Ansley Dunbar, Journey, and Starship, uh, and Carmine. Carmine's resume yeah. is Ozzy, yeah. Rod Stewart, Paul Stanley, um, uh, even King Cobra. Do your thing. Where's your? There you go. Uh, and you had Bob yeah. Daisley, who maybe didn't have the name, but he is the one that wrote a lot of that Ozzy stuff on Diary of a Madman and Blizzard of Oz. So. You have all that star power, and they couldn't even get a deal in the United States. They had to release that stuff in Japan. Um, so that's what I'm saying. What I mean, the climate got a little bit better in the late '90s, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you could start a new group and still get anywhere. I mean, look at Union. You had Motley Crue and Kiss. Uh, now you look at. You look at that time period though too. Night Ranger Neverland was out in Japan. God, it had to be six to eight months, like we had spoken about. I, I can't re- recall, but I know it felt like it was forever. I don't think it was that long. I think it was about three to four. I think it was released in Japan in March, and it was released in in the U.S. I either. In, I, I wish I, I just either, can't recall either June or July. Um, but uh, which I, you know back then. Three months, four months. Yeah, there was you know, no you, internet. You know, you know it's a longer time. But uh, I walked into a record show that day, and my and my dealer, my my CD import dealer, just went, held it up. He goes, "I got something for you." And of course, whenever he did it, it was usually Jean Beauvoir with Crown of Thorns or something like that. And when I saw Night Ranger's name on that, I was like, "What? What the hell is this?" He goes, "They're back together." And I had, I had no clue. Yeah. I had no idea. You know what's crazy is that's 97. And they had been together for six months and played dates. I mean, they, play, they played four hours away from you in Owensboro, Kentucky. And I had no idea. And the only reason why I knew is I had, I called I Drive Entertainment, which I've told the story a lot. And, you know. You know, they're thinking I'm wanting to talk to the band. I'm like, no, I just want to know where the hell they're playing. And their road manager at the time had told me, hey, don't tell anybody. Like, who the fuck am I going to tell back then, you know? Uh, they're back with the original group. And they're playing these dates. There wasn't a lot of them. And there was none really close, but Owensboro, Kentucky. Uh, July 20th, 1996. Me and my buddy drove six hours to get there and it was in a uh it was in a a, a, a radisson hotel and it had mm. like a little ballroom and they came out to uh the mojo music the beginning uh bass effects for the first track mojo so all right so amazing it's still amazing to me yeah. and you wouldn't have known if you wouldn't have called no mm. i mean i mean it's just like some of these shows that you saw in Cincinnati, I didn't know about. Sure. Um, when I saw Night Ranger in Akron, 
in December of 95. The only reason why I knew about that was because I was talking to the guys and they had, how that worked. Yeah, so I was talking to them. They had put me on the guest list in the summer of 95 and they mentioned about playing Akron and like the next night, like, yeah, we'll put you on the, the guest list. And that's how I knew they were playing Akron. They were playing some, you know, club up there. And, uh, so yeah, if you ever look, sometimes I'll see clips or ticket stubs like on eBay or people post them on the page. And I'm like, holy shit. Night Ranger was, you know, yeah, an hour, Ohio. an hour and 15 minutes away. I, I didn't even know about it. And this went up to, I mean, this isn't like just, this was like during the internet era, just because they were never good at their webpage. Uh, <laughs> you know, so you would never know like where they were playing. And it could be 2006. And you would, you'll see old ticket stubs like, ah, oh, they were a fucking hour away from me. I, uh, I didn't know that. So let's do, uh, let's do, let's just kind of mish, mish them all together a little bit. And, uh, let's do like what would happen with Jack and Kelly and Brad. Okay. Jack is probably the easiest. I would, Jack, I would say, would be doing solo records. I think Jack would be doing soundtracks were still big back then. I I could see him lending a song on a big soundtrack. <laughs> um, he was doing a lot of writing. Um, was writing for Aerosmith, writing for Vince Neil, writing for Ozzy, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Then, well, um, you're, what you're you're feel you're doing a lot of like ninety um, four. Well, not really. You're doing a lot of like 92-ish building up to like 90 early 95. But a lot of stuff going on still. You know? yeah, well, during that time period is a lot where the peak of the song co-writing, you know, went on. But yes, he was writing with a lot of people, Alice Cooper, Ozzy, like you said. You know, and of course, what year was it when he landed in Ringo Starr's All-Star Band? That would have been 1990. Well, he wasn't there long. He, the biggest thing, why he got he got a lot of exposure, because he played the VH1 special. Yeah. But I don't know if he did really anything else besides that, um, which would be a good question to ask him. Uh, because I remember, I think he had to go to London for rehearsals and yeah. stuff like that. So, so I know he's got a Ringo drumstick at this house. Yeah. So that was 1998 if I remember correctly, that he did the Ringo thing. But now you could say maybe he joins Ringo's band full-time. Yeah. Perhaps. Uh, and I, I don't think he'd be complaining about it. Well, it'd be like... I mean, who would? That'd be like you playing drums in uh, Alan Fitzgerald's All-Star Band. I would fit so well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fitting and fits. But so yeah, all right, I so think Jack Jack's the easiest one. I, I I think he'd still be writing tunes with people, um, maybe not recording. I think he'd be producing. Uh, because around that time, let's see. God, Samantha Seven was during. That was like ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, I, that's what I see Jack doing, period. I still think he has some kind of um, strong foot inside the music industry versus what Jeff was doing, was doing something here for Japan and maybe guesting on something, you know. Well, Jeff wasn't, uh, I mean, not that he's not writing, but uh, I guess you could say the there's a difference between writing guitar licks and writing songs and top 40 stuff and putting it together. I mean, I used to only hear about Jeff when he'd show up at NAMM, mm. mostly, if he was um, endorsing. I'm sure Jeff could have made a decent living just doing... Uh, uh, what the hell they call them when you go to, to music stores? Like clinics? Yeah, clinics. Yeah. I mean, and he did some of that in the 90s. There's footage of you going on YouTube from 93, 94 in like Florida. Brad and Jeff are doing a guitar clinic together. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of options for Jack. Uh, you know, he was writing, he has a couple songs on the Aerosmith record. Uh, Shut up and, or, uh, Shut Up and Dance being the song that made the record, but there was a couple other songs that they wrote that didn't make the record were on B-sides of singles. Uh, the big record that came out in 94 for Aerosmith was like their um, Geffen Greatest Hits, big ones. So it was all the hits like Love in the Elevator, Everything Off Pump and all that. And it had two new songs, both of which did well, Blind Man, and a song called Walk on Water, which co-written by Jack and Brad. So, you know, you're going to make a nice little check there when you're selling a, you know, when you're on an Aerosmith Greatest Hits record. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Co-wrote for Alice Cooper. He's got a couple tracks on Last Temptation. Ozzy, none of the songs made the Ozzy Osmosis record, but like two or three of them made the b-sides of singles that were released um yeah i mean i think he would have kept producing because he did produce even while he was in night ranger um and co-wrote uh so in the late 90s john kladner who was the you know ar guy big influence on geffen records and the mid to late 80s or well 87 86 really on uh had his hand in Aerosmith and White Snake and all that stuff. Um, he partnered with Sony and they had a record label called Portrait Records. And it was kind of a, you know, a sigh of relief for some of these 80s bands because they were signing these bands and giving them a good budget and a good release. So, you know, Rat was one of the groups. Uh, they released a record. Jack had a co-write on it. But the biggest one was the Great White album, um, Can't Get There From Here. Actually, they had a song called Rolling Stone that actually got airplay and is still included in some of their live sets. The record is great. It's called Can't Get There From Here. Jack produced it, and Jack co-wrote probably six or seven songs on the record. Don Dawkins did some co-writing as well. Um, so you have that. You had... I think we mentioned Samantha Seven, which was C.C. Yep. DeVille. They were featured uh, as well. Actually, a very good um, record. That was 99. Um, 
and to go back to the portrait thing here in a second, but later on about 2008, nine and there, he produced Vince Neil's solo record tattoos and tequila, which was, there was one original song and then the rest were covers. So he's still, you know, producing even, you know, into the late, you know, early two thousands there. Um, so back to the portrait um, thing, one of the bands that Kalodner uh, got back together was Damn Yankees. Now, Damn Yankees, we do talk, you know, we had Shaw Blades, right? So what's Jack going to do? Well, they had Shaw Blades. That really didn't take off. So if Jack isn't getting back with Night Ranger in 96, he's kind of left on his own from Damn Yankees because... Damn Yankees did get back together in late 95 and um but poor, hold on a second portrait which I thought Cindy Lauper was on portrait and here it, it was that was from the 70s 1976 is when that label started yeah it could be a different I thought it wasn't a Sony Legacy Sony Legacy was like the it'd be like uh what do you got you got Atlantic and then you got Megaforce or whatever yeah. That's that's the relationship. It was Portrait Records. Um, so um, Kalodner, uh So Damien Yankees gets back together in late 95. Nothing really materializes. Sticks. Time out. Let me, I'm sorry. Portrait was through Epic in 1976. They started through Sony and Columbia later. So that's where it comes in. We're Cinderella, Great White, Rat, the Union Underground. I'm so, mm. that that's where that's where it went to. No I apologize. <laughs> I will shut up from this. <laughs> now the Cinderella again, Cinderella recorded, and nothing was ever released, right. and none of that stuff's really come out. Now I do know someone that's heard it, and they said it's really not that good. Um, so. But damn Yankees. So, all right. So, you got damn Yankees getting back together in 95. It really doesn't go anywhere. The biggest thing that's going to screw damn Yankees up really is Tommy Shaw going back to Sticks because Tommy Shaw in Sticks is bigger than Ted Nugent by himself and is better, as bigger than Night Ranger with Jack Blades. Um, so, Tommy Shaw's with Sticks. Ted goes, does his thing. In the real world, Jack gets with Night Ranger. Well, let's say Jack's not with Night Ranger. What's he going to do? Well, I think maybe he would do a solo record um, on his own. All right. Uh, could Damn Yankees continued without Tommy Shaw? I don't think so. Just for the fact that touring wise, I think Ted makes about as just as much money, if not more, than taking a pay cut and going with, you know, a super group. But Night Ranger, Damn Yankees, does get together in late 1999, early 2000, to do a record for Portrait Records. Uh, Michael Cardelloni does play the majority of the drums, but he wasn't there a lot because at that time he's in Leonard Skinner. And I can guarantee he's making more money in Leonard Skinner probably than he was doing with Damn Yankees or if they were together. 
Tommy Shaw wasn't really there much. Uh, so they brought in Damon Johnson from Brother Kane, who has actually been playing a lot with Leonard Skinner right now. Uh, but you still had Ted and Jack. They recorded an entire record as Damn Yankees 99 and 2000. And it was so bad that none of them wanted it released. Jack didn't want it released. Ted didn't want it released. Tommy didn't want it released. Kalodner didn't want it released. It was that bad. Damon did. (laughs) Damon did. It was was that bad. Um, They even, now, Luke Tobin or something like that, the guy that produced the Bon Jovi record that kind of really relaunched them again, um, It's My Life, that record. That bounce. He he produced that damn Yankees record, and they just basically weren't going for what he was wanting to do. So they gave those, you know, those recordings to Kevin Shirley, who atop my head was, you know, did a lot of journey stuff, and he couldn't really do anything with the recordings. You know, they were just too much of what it was there was nothing really he could do to mix or change it to get that uh that sound um so again luke i just evan. luke evan are you guys hey evan tobin there's the n and there's the same amount of letters yeah, luke uh so um so yeah i don't see damn yankees really in that scenario for jack just because it was there a little bit and it you know basically blew up and now you're just not really going to get it because um listen damn yankees would draw a little bit more than night ranger but i don't think damn yankees is gonna really draw more than ted maybe a little bit more but you're gonna need a lot more if if Ted can go out and make this amount of money, he's not going to go do a tour where he makes less. Right? Are you going to go out and work and make less money? No one is, really. And I just don't think the increase of the damn Yankees name is enough to pay Ted and to pay... I mean, you got you to think Tommy Shaw and James Young are getting the majority of the pie and sticks. Mm-hmm. And Sticks is doing really good business. Um, so that's why you don't see Tommy. Is Tommy going to, if he's going to go tour, is he going to go make, you know, this amount? And then, hey, now I'm going to go dedicate time to go do a tour with Jack and make this amount right there. Well, they always blame Ted because Ted's hunting when they can all do it, you know. Well, I think that's a good safe answer oh absolutely but but it's true and but i think the biggest thing is you ted would have to take a pay cut and really tommy would too tommy maybe more so than ted because that sticks name is so big out there in the classic rock circle and ted i mean regardless if you agree with him or not you know he's gone out and been very vocal politically where it doesn't matter what side you're on, you're going to alienate half the people. Right. Right. So 
and he's so vocal about it, right? Like, I just remember seeing Ted in 2007, Bush as president. There's no Obama yet. There's no, no you know, uh, nothing like you no know, Trump. And it was just him every between every song, something political. And oh, I don't I remember him opening for Kiss on the Farewell Tour in 2000. Oh, my Lord. And I never heard so many gay jokes. Yeah. Which, <laughs> I mean, seriously, but that's, you know, and time. Listen, there, well, 2007 wasn't that far of a different time. 2000. Um, but what I'm what I'm getting at is uh, I don't care if someone's political in their own, per- but I don't I'm not real big on them bringing it on stage, uh, especially if you don't I guess agree with it. Like Bruce Springsteen, you know, really political. When I went and saw him in 2016, nothing political on stage. Now he'll do all kinds of politics, you know, whatever uh, records and stuff like that. Um, but there was nothing on stage, and yeah, I think Ted's only saving grace when he was with Damn Yankees was the golf was the was the war. Well, I don't and remember shooting, shooting Saddam Hussein on stage. Yeah, but I don't remember him like just but between no, every he, song preach, preaching out. No, no, he didn't speak much. That's yeah. why. Well, I mean, he in '92, him and Dave Mustaine did the Rock the Vote, where Nugent was the uh, Republican correspondent and Dave Mustaine was the Democratic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I think, you know, that's why I say Tommy Shaw was probably the one raking the most money in because there's been no alienation there, like live. Um, and Sticks is so huge. Um, but Ted still makes good money. So I don't think Damn Yankees would be in the cards for for Jack. But you know what I think might be in the cards for Jack? Sticks. Really? Think about it. So you had Shaw Blake. Think about, you know, 1989 to the early 2000s. Even you you got, you had a lot of Jack Blades, Tommy Shaw, damn Yankees. You had Shaw Blades. All right. Now the first, the first, um, uh, sticks album that they did with Dennis DeYoung, it came out in 1999. Jack and Tommy co-wrote three or four songs on. Um, wasn't how do you say his Chuck name? Pinanzo was the bass player, and, he, and he's always been the bass player. No, he has Hasn't not. He? He's not technically been the official. Well, well, he's still he's still touring with them. No, not all the time. So in 1999, you know, Chuck Pinanzo was diagnosed with AIDS. He was weak, or not maybe not AIDS, but HIV, um, and was weak, and. Uh, they needed to go tour for this record in 1999. So they brought in Glenn Burtnick to play bass. Right. All right. Okay. Who had been in stick previously. So what could, to me, could that have been Jack? Jack had already co-wrote three or four songs on the record. They're promoting. You, Tommy's got a history with Jack, not Glenn Burtnick. I think they brought back Glenn Burtnick because maybe Dennis or not Dennis, but uh, James Young had a history with him. Plus, mm-hmm. you're not technically adding another member back when that kind of mattered. Right. You're bringing in someone who was already with the band and did a record with them. Uh, and you know he, I mean, and he had he could t- write. 
and he could write and he had uh, talent, but so could Jack Blades. So if Jack's not been doing anything, does Jack join Sticks? And Glenn Burtnick would probably still be in Sticks if he had not quit in 2003, 2004, because he wanted more of his songs on the records, right? And I get that. But think about Jack and Tommy. They're already writing songs together. Imagine if... Nothing they write sounds like Sticks, though. Well, you can argue that, but okay but here's the thing four songs off of brave new world were um jack and tommy now at that point if you got 11 tracks five of them are going to be five of them are going to be tommy five of them are going to be dennis and one's going to be james young so really all tommy's songs minus maybe one are with jack blades now when they go out and tour for Brand New World, not only are they replacing the bass player, but they're also replacing Dennis Young. So now when it comes to do the next studio record, which was Cyclorama in 2003, Tommy's got the rule of the roost. He doesn't have to do five, you know, give up five tracks. Uh, they let Lawrence Gowan or whatever write a couple. And even one Jack Blade song ends up on that record because Yes, I Can is a Jack and Tommy song that was recorded for the third damn Yankees record that never came out. So you can see even not really having much going on with Tommy Shaw, he's still a presence in that Sticks history. And then after that, you get the Shaw Blades record, Influence, in 2000 seven that's a you know a, a compil or a, a tribute album that they do so to me i could very much see jack blaze joining sticks i mean he's already has his footprint in there for so many years um and now i think the songwriting would be there but does the well the singing get in there right is jack going to be happy yeah being a, being a bit player. Or... Well, I, I don't think songwriting wise he would have been. Right. But as a but stage here's performer, the, yes. Here's the difference. Burtnick and Tommy, I don't think, wrote a lot together. We obviously know Tommy and Jack wrote, you know, even with sticks, they were writing stuff. I think when it comes to vocally, you would have had Tommy a lot. You have Lawrence. JY always gets a song or two. Jack's only singing one or two songs maybe on those records but you know what people like people it's the paycheck is what it boils down to people like people like money um and who's to say that you know what i can i can do all this i can do the sticks thing and make a shit ton of cash i can then just release my solo records and my get my music out that way um so that's where i think jack probably may have went you know who knows that's tough kelly and brad so when this little scenario kelly's Kelly's reforming rags we already know that yeah he's uh reforming well you know what i dynamically um you know i don't think there was ever issues with them and gary moon there's probably more issues between kelly and brad than there ever was between them and uh 
Gary with Gary Moon. So as and here's the thing. <clears throat> it doesn't matter who was in the band in the 90s. Jack Blades could have been a Night Ranger in the 90s. Grunge, they weren't going to do anything. All right. I mean, think about it in 1989, the Night Rangers playing Bogarts, right? Mm-hmm. With Jack Blades and that music still going strong. You know, now take oh, out Jack, yeah. you know, take out Jack Blades and um and grunge. Uh, you're just but the thing with them getting back together is they they hopped on that train a little early, but right when it was starting to take off, Eagles getting back together, right? These bands started becoming not current acts that needed to release singles, but became legacy acts. The Eagles, Kiss, got to, you know, 96, right? You see Cinderella's and... Oh, they had that big warrant poison syndrome. Well, that that was like that was ninety nine. That's what I'm saying is Night Ranger was just a little bit ahead of the curve. Hence, playing a Radisson Inn in nineteen ninety six. I mean, you could have played a Radisson Inn with Gary Moon in nineteen ninety six, right? So it didn't really matter, you know, who was in the band at that point. Um, Now, eventually, it does in the late nineties because that music slowly starts to come back into fashion. Um, and obviously, you are going to get an uptick when you have the original members. <coughs> but I think Night Ranger would have did okay. I think Night Ranger would be doing pretty good business now because bands now, and really for the last 10 years or so, it's all about the logo. Um, we're all nerds. You're a nerd listening to this podcast, all right? You're going to know who's a Night Ranger. But a lot of people don't know. They just say, hey, Night Ranger's playing. Oh, fuck yeah, I saw them fucking uh, grad night in 1984. Yeah, let's fucking go. Now, they may not be playing as big of places, but they're going to make money. I mean, think about Foreigner. Foreigner is playing places, releasing live records, and the only motherfucker on that is Mick Jones, and he's not even at the half the live shows. And no one gives a shit except for some nerds who like Foreigner. They're probably doing a podcast called Foreigner in Motion. And and that's it. And so a I... Th- agent podcaster. <laughs> um, so I think they could have kept going with Night Ranger. And like a lot of bands. Now, I don't think we'd have, you know, would we have all those studio records that we had Maybe in the last ten years, who knows? Um, well, but uh, foreigner, I, I want to say this: I, I, I have not heard. Well, pardon, let me correct it. I heard foreigner for the first time. Didn't feel like the first time, but I heard him for the first time with this lineup with Kelly Hansen singing. I've never heard him sing one word in that band, and I was off work a couple weeks ago. And it was early morning. I was flipping through channels, and I think it was on, they were on Fox News in the city of New York, you know, in the streets. Mm-hmm. It was either that or it was Good Morning America. It was one of the two, because I know they both do that. Hey, I'm walking here. And, oh, my God, Kelly Hansen was incredible sounding. No, I'm not saying that. I mean, but they were, I... they were incredible sounding. I, All I, right. I was amazed All how right. good they were. All right. And there's, I'm not denying that. Like when I go, I've seen Foreigner 
I don't know how many times in the last 10, 15 years. Kelly Hansen is a great performer and he sounds great, right? And I think one thing that does help Foreigner was Nick Jones was never a guitar god, kind of like Jeff Watson or Brad Gillis. Um, Lou Graham was never that big rock star front man, right? No, but he was he was a name. Well, I mean, yeah, solo, but know, here's success. the thing: is the the rock stars, the rock stars and Foreigner were the songs, yes. right? So it is a tad bit easier um, for Foreigner to do that. But you got to think when you're watching that, if there's no Mick Jones, I would think Kelly Hansen might be the oldest member in the band, maybe there from Jeff like. Pilsen. Not old like age. Oh, I'm talking like tenure. Tenure, tenure yeah. Um, so, and here's the thing: Jeff Pilson of Dawkin. No one gives a shit. People going to the foreigner shows, they don't give a shit that he was in Dawkin. They they don't really give give a shit who's in the band. They're kind of like you, watching foreigner on TV and going, "Holy shit, they're good!" Or seeing foreigner opening up for Journey. And going, Jason Holy. Bonham was on drums for them for a while. Well, here's here's an you know? before, I, before I forget, here's another story. So, this would have been probably like 2008, 10, 12, somewhere in there. <clears throat> As when I was in the military, and I was with a, I think we were going to lunch or something. So, I'm with a buddy of mine. He's a little bit younger than me. I'd say, let's say six or seven years younger than me. So, all 80s rock is classic rock to him, right? Like he was, and he started cranking up Foreigner. I fucking have been in the Foreigner. I, down, you know, I download, I bought the record off iTunes, right? And I said, that'll somewhere put the date into all this. There was no streaming or whatever. But he had bought the record off iTunes. And I'm saying to him, like, well, this really isn't Foreigner. These were re records, right? With Kelly Hansen on vocals. Not bad. But, you know, I can tell that, you know, hot-blooded is not truly the original hot-blood. He didn't give a shit. To him, that was foreign. So that's what I'm saying is Night Ranger, even today, as much as people, if you're listening to this, you, you're warped because you're a dedicated Night Ranger fan. Um, but Night Ranger could tour with just Jack Blades, just Kelly Keggy, just Brad Gillis. They could probably tour without any of them guys. Right, and they wouldn't be putting up the numbers that they're doing. Um, they may have to bust the shows instead of flying the shows, but they can make a living because of the name Night Ranger and the Shield. So, if you took Quiet Riot, Quiet Riot, Vixen, and Night Ranger, oh shit, we're going to go see them. Yeah, let's fucking go and party on a Saturday night, and people don't really give a shit. Um, except for the hardcores. I just saw an advertisement for Quiet Riot and Vixen playing some, you know, festival somewhere, right? And hey, Monsters of the Mountain, they're both over there too. Well, yeah, but Monsters of the Mountains, but that they're right there. We can use that too. Yeah. Quiet Riot, one original member, kind of Rudy Sarzo. Vixen, just the drummer, right? Oh, the, Roxy's the only one left. Roxy's the only one left. The bass player took a leave of hiatus and the other one one of the them singer, passed janet she's janet was a singer she 
is she left and the other one passed away a few yeah, years the back. guitar player died. So, but what I'm saying is, all right, they're on Monsters of the Mountain. They're getting somewhat of a decent check, right? Obviously, it'd be more if it was all original members, blah, blah, blah. They could hype that. But, um, yeah, one, the drummer for Vixen, the you know bass player Rudy for uh, Quiet Riot. Um, you don't think Night Ranger could do that? with the you know the 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 shield quiet riot and vixen are playing the two weekend this week you know a couple dates on a weekend um and i just remember looking at the picture i'm like one person from the 80s in that band one person in the 80s from that band um and there for a while quiet riot was touring without rudy yeah and guess what frankie well it was frankie before he died correct then and then it was what a couple months without Frankie, uh, a year. I think it's a little bit longer than that. But they were touring with nobody from the original. I mean Chuck Wright, who, yes, he played on one of the tracks on Metal Health, whatever, and then was with them in the mid eighties. But um, yeah. So I think Night Ranger with Kelly and Brad could have collected a check. I think maybe if one of those guys had an opportunity to join, you know, hey, Brad, you want to come play in Foreigner? That would be more of a possibility because... um, That's what I was going to say about Brad. You know, but... um, I see Brad going to an established group that's huge. True, but here's the thing. Side money might be the same as a full partner and a lower version of night ranger gotcha that you only have to split three ways at the max if you're just doing kelly gary and brad which back then gary was an equal partner so you know that's what you got to look at as the pay may be the same or the pay might be a little bit higher but do i want to you know for a little bit more money do i want to go play other people's songs or i could play my own stuff and make the same pay now it all depends you know yeah i can go be a sideman make the same amount of money but i'm playing arenas and i got nicer hotels so nicer everything yeah but you know again i can make the same money and be playing my own tunes and stuff like that or maybe he does both who knows but uh that's what i think with brad and um Brad and Kelly. Kelly as well. Yeah, I think Kelly would have uh, kept doing the the Night Ranger thing. I, I is Kelly going to go drum? I mean, I think Kelly, they're Kelly becomes a judge on American Idol. Well, that could happen. I think you could. I I think you would see. I think you. I could see Kelly and Jack working together more than I could Jack and Brad you know, in this whole scenario. Um, let's say, you know, Brad owns the name, you know, and, you know, do you have Jack and Kelly's Night Ranger? And, you know, I mean, like there, there are all these other groups that are out there. Jack yeah. Russell's uh, Great, Great White, White and, you know, the 15. 15- we had Bobby Blotzer's Rat for a brief time. Which, a little bit different. No one else in Rat was doing shit. No, but you they know, were all pissed about it. 
you know but and you know what uh every review i saw of that said, said that, it was a good time yeah it's like and so i didn't really have a problem with that it's like if no one else is going to go out and do it like it's different when you got la gun two la guns out there right competing against each other there was nothing out there at least bobby blotzer put bobby blotzer's rat mm-hmm. on there i mean i even probably you know he could have maybe just called it rat um but uh yeah i mean maybe jack and kelly do something and i mean you kind of piggybacking on the same thoughts there with all that or yeah um with with both with brad and I figured Brad, like I said, would join an established big band like when he was with Ozzy. Who knows? He could have went back to Ozzy if, if Zach Wilde left at the time. Um, I mean, I mean, well, the guy's yeah. a, the guy's a, he, he's he's a guitar legend. He really and, is. And the only thing I could like, you know, if you want to do like a counterpoint, um, is you know, and you could counterpoint it back with well he fucking was with ozzy doing black sabbath songs that was totally different is let's say you know hey brad we need you to replace vivian campbell in Def leopard you know when vivian got you know cancer and stuff yeah. right but let's say that's a little bit different because that's just going to be a short time but let's just say vivian campbell leaves could brad gillis do that job yes but does brad gillis style with that whammy bar you know you see what i'm saying can, can brad it gillis it doesn't fit def leopard well what does it fit can brad gillis join foreigner and do new foreigner music um can brad gillis you see what i'm saying okay. now yeah 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 Point okay counterpoint. that's exactly right on that <laughs> but i can counterpoint it again is it fucking worked when he did black sabbath with ozzy wow. now now the the counterpoint to that again is it's not truly Black Sabbath, it's Ozzy doing Black Sabbath, and that's a good way to make a definition between the two is having Brad's unique style on, you know, the, you have Black Sabbath that's lumbering, guitarless, you know, devil, I'm gonna kill you and Satan, and then you take that, and you know, Satan. You know and all the whammy stuff it is a cool little thing so who knows i mean you know maybe he goes to foreigner and you know people are like yeah you know i liked uh dirty white boy originally but you know you throw them harmonics in that whammy bar it's even better you know or maybe 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 he joins a band with jakey lee yeah maybe maybe he um i had another one and i just lost it damn it uh, maybe he's in revolution saints when Dean Castronovo and Jack Blades. Oh, by the way, you saw the breaking news on that this week, didn't you? Doug Aldridge left that band. So, well, I don't you know. know. Yeah. Uh, off the record, we kind of heard a rumor anyway. So, <laughs> um, I don't think again that band was always that was uh, Dean's vehicle. And. Uh, well, what's the guy's name that runs the label? Fernando or I don't know, but it's really his vehicle, if if you ask me, since he writes all the music. Yeah, but that you know he writes music for a lot of stuff, but yeah, that all that's his vehicle. But Revolution Saints was Dean, and they brought in a couple big names to, you know, be in there. Um, 
so revolution saints could continue with it being dean but i don't think it's really as important because dean is making a shit ton of cash on the road with journey even as a side man um you know mm -hmm. uh so you know revolution saints is really pretty much probably on the back burner for him and plus he's got he's not doing like their tour but he's got that new record with generation radio with um Jay DeMarcus from Rascal Flats, Dean Castronavo on drums. Uh, I want to say Jerry Schreff, but maybe it's not Jerry. Jerry Schreff, Schreff, the Schreff bass player, blonde guy who was in Chicago, sang on a couple of their late 80s hits, was in Chicago forever. Um, okay. I think his dad is Jerry Schreff, who played bass for Elvis. Anyways, he's in the band too. And if you, I think I sent a link to you guys, their song that he sings, um, Why Are You Calling Me Now? If that was released in 1986, 87, that would oh, have been, yeah. I know what you're talking about. that would have been a huge, um, huge hit. So go find Generation Radio. There's the band. Uh, let me see if it tells me what uh, that dude's uh, name is. Uh, nope, of course not. Uh, but anyways, the that song, Why Are You Calling Me Now? I mean, it's a really good song. Uh, Jason Schreff, so his dad was Jerry. Um, his dad played with Elvis um, throughout the 70s. So Jason Schreff, I think he maybe, you know, he sang on some of the great big chicago hits in the late 80s um but uh yeah i don't know how we got there but uh go check out generation generation radio why are you calling me now maybe not watch the video there's some goofy looking you know facial expressions in there but uh the track is pure 80s rock um and it's catchy man it's an earworm it first couple times i listened to it, i'm like this is just too much like trying to be 80s right and i don't think i like it next thing i know man I, for a month and a half that song stuck in my head uh so okay well here i have a i have a question to pose for you now yeah well since, yes since yes. we have all this this mega whatever what if crap going on i see the white Bengals helmet behind you by the way just notice that um like it orange better um what brings Night Ranger back together eventually? You know, in my mind, it's got to be one of the two movies, either um, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights was 97, 98. So that's not oh, that's, that. That's even okay. Then I'm, yeah. then it's got to be, um, what's I, that, um, what's that thing that Joel did on Broadway? Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. Well, here's uh, the thing. They didn't even use Night Ranger's version. They recorded, you know, like the Rock of Ages band. You know, and the actors are the ones that record the song. You know, what um, brings them back together? You know, what what if there is a catalyst because they never got back together? What brings them back together in some form, whether it's all original or what we had today? Well, I think in reality, what brings them back together in real life in 1996 is money. Um, of course, Andrew Dice Clay would say money, 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 money. You know, Brad and Kelly realized we can make more money with the original lineup. Uh, Jack can make more money in Night Ranger than just 
being Jack Blades on the road. Um, and Jack didn't have, you know, didn't have Ted, you know, he's not going to go play with Ted Nugent like Michael Carloni did. Um, and, you know, he, you know, Tommy's got sticks. So Jack kind of needs Night Ranger. Um, you know, Jeff is obviously. You know, Jack could have played with Ted. I mean, Ted was just a bass player, drummer, and Ted. And I don't could have sang some of those songs, you know. I don't see Jack or Tommy being in the Ted Nugent band. Michael Cardelloni's different. Uh Michael, because I when I saw Ted in 96, hell, it might even been when I saw him in 94. Um, I can't remember if Cardelloni was with him in 94, but I know for a fact Cardelloni was his drummer in 96. So in 1996. I saw in a span of 30 days, maybe not even that, I saw all the members of Damn Yankees, but separate. I saw mm-hmm. I saw Night Ranger at the Newport, Jack Blades. A month later was Ted Nugent, Michael Carloni. And then at Polaris Amphitheater was Styx. So you can even see then, you know, Tommy was really the one that had it going. You know, they're playing amphitheaters yeah, and they're... stuff like that. And I mean, Ted, the advantage he has is, you know, he's getting all the money. Um, but uh yeah, I would think what brings them back together. I get in this scenario, if money couldn't bring them back together in ninety-six, then would money ever be important? Kind of like you know, the skid row thing. Um, but I would always go back to money. Maybe they just get older. I know right? what brings them back together. Three guys from Ohio start a Facebook page. Uh, we're probably probably and then do a to podcast. Their... Yeah, we're probably more of a reason why they're going to break up. Uh, uh, you know. But... So, uh... and we get those three guys. We get those guys on yeah. talking about it. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, we're we're you know we for the first time we get Jack, Brad, and Kelly together in the same room, even though it's a Zoom room. Zoom room, yeah. And you know. Uh, Brent, you know, his his thing, you know, fizzles out, you know, we lose connection and I'm just talking to him and then I got to go take a big shit. So I'll be right back, right back. And it's just them three. And that's how the reunion starts in this fantasy world. But uh, uh, the only thing I, I could think of is what are you what are you writing down over there, Brad? Steal the name fans in motion. Um. <laughs> The only thing I can think of is maybe, you know, the order you get things that seemed important aren't as important and maybe you can meet a common ground. Um, but in the same case, the order you get, the less you want to put up with bullshit, yeah. which is why certain bands don't play with certain band members. So, but in, in this situation, reverse, maybe, uh, you know, the things that kept them apart in the 90s or whatever in the early 2000s, they realized, hey, this is dumb. We're not getting any younger. We need to start building a nest egg. Why don't we uh, combine forces and put the original Night Ranger back together, at least, you know, yeah, as good... much as you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. An episode we pulled out of our ass um so uh what you need to do is on the facebook machine instagram wherever you're listening to this or comments or whatever 
just you know write a short paragraph of what do you think what do you think they would be doing but or do it under the show announcement don't do it a either, separate post yeah don't make a separate post um do it either under the youtube post that i post you know every week or do it on the youtube yeah. page i mean if you're listening to this on spotify or whatever you know obviously you can leave messages there i'll probably never see them but um <laughs> but uh but youtube and facebook and just you know if there's something we you thought that we brought up a good point you know say yeah i never thought of that and Josh is fucking fantastic. Or, you know, if there's something we didn't think of and you have an idea. Brad and Y and T. Well, there had been there would have been an empty slot there in two thousand. Yeah. And Brad and Y and T. That could work. Um problem is though, uh Dave Minichetti. Yeah, he's a lead guitarist. Yeah. You don't when you have Dave Minichetti, you really don't need anybody else. But, but Dave uh, Dave got hurt his hand and he couldn't perform, couldn't play. He could sing though. Is that what happened in this That's world? That's what happens. Yeah. Um, fucking Brad sent, you know, someone out to Nancy Kerrigan his hand. Um, right. So uh yeah. So just give us your ideas, man. Just uh, you know, there's only one right answer and a lot of wrong answers. Uh so um there you go. Phase in motion, go follow us and all that good stuff. Um we're everywhere. Um, what is it? Uh, shit. <laughs> I was going to do the line from Force Gump, and I can't think of it. Where, yeah, well, Bubba yeah. Gump Shrimp, where he compares it to some some company, and you know. Yeah. I anyways, uh, uh, so uh, but we are we're everywhere, uh, and uh, go get your tickets for the Danny Repepe Memorial Show, November what ninth. It's a Wednesday night. Uh, it's going to be a good cause. Night Ranger with the Contemporary Youth Orchestra. Yeah. The night before, I'm, we're going to all meet at the Winking Lizard. You which... know, and that's another thing, by the way. People that are just listening to it as a podcast that aren't on the page, if you've been on the page, you would have had a pre-sale code. Fans of Motion exclusive. How cool is that? Yep. Uh, pre-sale cool. code. Um, all this stuff. I mean, you... It's just a great community, um, you know. So BB Kilma, go create a uh, uh, a fake profile um, and just join Fans of Motion. Uh, it's good stuff. Uh, a lot of stuff on there, uh, exclusive stuff. But uh, yes, we had the pre-sale. Um, we're going to. I, I'm going to have a, a hotel like link where you can go and get you know a discounted hotel room. Like I said, Winking Lizard the night before. A lot of fans of motion are going to meet there. Winking Lizard always remind you know kind of reminds me of like what you would name a, a gay bar or something like you know <laughs> we having at the Winking Lizard you know the Winking Lizard or the uh, the oh. the Blue Oyster or uh, you know uh, uh, but the Winking Lizard so it'll be a good time. You can buy me a drink. Uh, yeah, and I and I hope to be there. I'm I'm gonna let this cat out of the bag. I ain't looking for no sympathy. I'm I'm gonna have an operation done. That's why I, I kind of posted. I, I I don't know. If listen, listen. Be... I think it's brave. Um, so uh, yeah, I know. it's I'm no long. It's no longer gonna be Brent. It's gonna be Bernice. Um, so when he's... I do this, it, it'll be he's... out to here now. 
he's having his no. his, his his dick chopped off and having a breast reduction. Oh, no, I'm not going to get rid of that. <laughs> I'm not getting rid of that ever. But no, um, I, I you know I've got a little facial thing going on, and I'm going to get that removed, and I'm going to have to have some skin pulled up and what have you. And I don't know if I'm going to look like um, I'm not going to look any better. They tell me, but um, I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to be swollen. I don't know if I'm going to be looking like um, John Merrick, the Elephant Man. Um, but I'm going to look pretty scary for a couple weeks, supposedly. So um, with that being said, if I'm doing the podcast, you'll probably see that, you yes. know, what have you. It just depends. I, I don't know. I don't know where this journey is going to take me in, um, over that we'll time just, period. We'll just, but uh... I, I'm hope I, I, I haven't bought a ticket because I don't know that I can. If I can physically make it or not, I have no idea. I really want to go. It's going to suck ass if I don't get to go. You know, the hardest ticket to get is going to be the pre-party uh, at the Winking Lizards. So, um, hopefully, but I know people. But well, that's that doesn't help you, uh, <laughs> especially if I look different at that point. Well, that, actually, uh, that would help me. Yeah, um, I am an animal. Uh, so. You can just wear Carrie's uh, wolf mask. That he is the uh, the drum silhouette. All right, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you're still listening, you are a true diehard Night Ranger fan. Who knew so many of us existed? Brent, me, and you out there listening. And, we, and Andy's not here, so you know they didn't yeah. like him if they stayed around. Yeah, well. All right, so uh, until. Uh, Till next week, my friends, uh, if I can get my mouse working here. All right. Hey, there we go. All right. Hey, thanks for joining us. Brent, tell them goodbye. Bye, Brent. I ain't no savior.